You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hi all, welcome to Nick Luck Daily. It's Wednesday the 26th of July. Nick away all week, as you know. So Charlotte and I are mixing up between the two of us. It's Tom Stanley and for Nick and Charlotte, in case you hadn't noticed, joined by broadcaster and journalist Jane Mangan. We will be discussing the King George because it seems as though we need to do that every day. And why not? It's just about the race of the season at present. Um, hopefully just about all stand their ground, although some news on that upcoming. We'll be discussing a good card at Leopardstown on Thursday as well. Uh, and also looking ahead to the Group 1 for Phillies in France, the, the pre-Rothschild, amongst other things. But first of all, Jane Mangan, we touched on this on the podcast yesterday, and I think it's worth uh, just delving a, a little bit deeper and also reacting to some Cattle Burns comments, which um, unfolded on Monday night on on Racing TV, relating to the ban handed out to Garoy Bruder, um, a four-year ban for testing positive to metabolites of cocaine. Um, there are obviously two cases intermingled here. What's your take on it all? Um, well, in the Carl Burns interview, it is suggested that the IHRB knew on the day that the rider had tested positive. Of course, that isn't possible. Um, when you read the IHRB uh, referral hearing um, that they that they publish after every hearing, you can read. Uh, the transcript uh, in her evidence, Dr. Jennifer Pugh explained that Mr. Bruder's sample was confirmed positive on June 1st. The race itself was back in May on May 10th. So that number one is outlandish to suggest that anybody knew on the day that Garod was going to test positive other than himself. Um, Dr. Pugh explained that the urine sample tested positive for metabolite of cocaine consistent with use um, three to four days prior to the test. So that's kind of the the detail of the, the transcript that I thought was necessary for us to outline because when you go to the Cahill Burns um, interview with Johnny Ward, uh, it suggested that somebody should have known on the day and that they were seething that basically they want the horse to be reinstated. They want an apology from the IHRB and they want their uh, fine, which was €6,000, uh, return to them. I think that's one investigation. I think this is an unfortunate coincidence that Garod had basically tested positive for this uh for for cocaine on the same day that he rode this horse that was done under rule 212 which is the non-triers rule. Um do I think that the IHRB should issue an apology? No. Do I think that they should be uh reinstated? No. Um I'm I think it's an unfortunate coincidence, but I think it's one where you just have to move on. And I think it's also worth pointing out on the, the ban itself, um, it is a four-year suspension. Niall Cronin had, had pointed out uh, in the Racing Post article that in 12 months, Garod can apply for a suspension of the final three years. There are a couple of steps to that. He does need to satisfy both the referrals committee and subsequent to that, the licensing committee as well, in order to to get that. Um, license back. I mean, it, it's by no means a, a foregone conclusion that he will uh, apply for that in, in 12 months' time, or even that if he does, he will indeed get that license back. 
Okay, let's that's not, that's, before we move on, Tom, that's not unique to Gerald Bruder's case. That is in every case, and it's far too prevalent in both countries, um, uh, riders testing positive for banned substances, because you have to cooperate with the um, chief medical officer to satisfy that you are basically clean and that you are taking all the steps to basically get yourself back on the straight and narrow. So it's not just the case of turning up after a year and saying, I'm ready to go. You have to satisfy, I'd imagine, do a number of out of competition tests, random tests to prove that you have been clean for a period of time before you get your license reinstated. That's not unique to him. And I think it's a good um, system whereby all riders who fall under this unfortunate uh, circumstance, uh, they have to go through the same rigorous testing. The King George this weekend, first things first, uh, I've spoken to Stefan Wattel, who was due to run Sim Camilla, who will not run now, almost certainly, he said. Um, if the the forecast changes and, and no rain materialises, it, it might be different. But he has said the horse wants quicker ground and has said to me, I doubt we will run. Uh, for all Christoph Seymour was jocked up on, on board that horse. He's a very unlikely runner in the King George. Aidan has got a good few in there, Jane. I, I want the exact horses, please, that he's going to run. No pressure. If we end up with good to soft, I could see, I could see, obviously, August Rodin. I could see Luxembourg. I could see Adelaide River. I could see one of the Bolshoi Ballet Point Lonsdale Broom. I could see four horses running. I could. And it'll be a very interesting affair either way. I think Luxembourg at 20 to 1. Is he not forgotten horse up to 12 furlongs? Would that not be exactly what he's been crying out for since he won the Tattersalls World Cup? Um, he seems like, you know, last season he won the Irish Champion Stakes. We thought that was a good run. And he's that 20 was, to 1. Was a stunning run, I thought, last year and a heck of a training performance as well. Can I just come back to, I get the impression that you don't think it's a foregone conclusion that, that August Rodin will run no matter what. Don't frighten me. I don't think... I wouldn't run him on heavy ground. That's just my personal preference. I wouldn't see why you would risk or run a horse um like that on heavy ground. I I think it would suit um some of the older horses because they're stronger. But the, look, it's a stellar race, right? I've I've gone back before you guys uh, before you connected with me this morning. I went back as far as two thousand and eight, and as far as back as there, there was no more than ten runners. Like, as it stands before confirmations, we have fifteen left in contention. The top two in the market are the three year olds, which is really interesting. Why is it such a good race? Well, we've got seven individual group one winners left in contention. Twelve of the fifteen are older horses. There's just three of them actually from the classic generation, and I tend to think that even from the mile division when we saw Paddington um, beat Emily Upjohn in the Coral Eclipse, um, miles 10 furlongs, now up to a mile and a half, we have King of Steel and August Rodan at top of the market. I feel that the classic generation Colts are very strong this year. Uh, throw in the unexposed Desert Crown, throw in the underappreciated pile driver, arguably underappreciated pile driver. Now it looks like we've got Westover in contention after his impressive win in France last time. His confidence must be sky high. Um I, I think it's it's just a wonderful race and it's one that, you know, when when people in, immediately after this race, people are going to say, how do we maintain uh, a race of this standard every summer? Chances are that isn't going to happen because you're you not can't. going to have You can't. You, you can't have a concentration of quality of this standard every year. 
embrace it when we have it. But a lot of these horses are going to be retired by next year. And it'll probably take another couple of years for horses like this standard to come around again and not be sold abroad and not be retired and not get injured. It just seems like all of the stars have aligned. Exactly. The perfect storm for potentially the race of the season. My final question on it, the last two derby winners, who do you think is the better of them or can we not possibly say at this stage? They both have the same rating and the three-year-olds receiving... Eleven pounds. Mm-hmm. So, my idea of the winner, I think King of Steel is the right favorite. I actually, I do think King of Steel is the right favorite. I think if I was to have my pick, I would, I would go with him. I, I have a lot of respect for him. At the bigger odds, I'm very interested to see what Luxembourg can do if he goes off on the front. They won't ha- they won't have the luxury of giving him ten lengths. We'll give we we'll have to say that. You can't look up and, and see an Irish champion stakes winner and Tadasol's Gold Cup winner go off in front and you can't leave him there. So it'll be very interesting to see how the jockeys ride it. Um I think the mayor back to twelve furlongs, she went down fighting over ten last time. I it's just a brilliant race. I I'm not sta- I'm not sitting on the fence. I am I am going King of Steel, but it's it's gonna be fantastic. Uh, uh, you're not and there are plenty of um, other factors at play including what the rain does hopefully we don't get too much of it because as you were saying to me before we came on air it's already ruined the cricket hopefully it doesn't ruin the race of the season right um i yeah. really did say that yeah i was also willing to give my um my barbie and oppenheimer an analogy or my analysis book you know yeah that will go in the saturday edition jay Maggie. <laughs> On Oppenheimer and Barbie. Which wait, which film are you more likely to watch? I've watched both. Oh, right. So I okay, it will go we're gonna get waylaid. <laughs> It'll go in the Saturday edition. Uh some pre-Rothschild news, just uh initially, that is that um I spoke to Paddy Toomey, just beautiful, was very much an intended runner, but the rain is gonna scupper her chances. So she is not going to run in that. She's likely to go. Maurice de Geest or to the City of York stakes, but um, Just Beautiful won't run in the pre-Rothschild and, and Joseph O'Brien not expecting to run any of his at this stage either. Uh, Tom Clover is going to run his uh, Rogue Millennium, who was brilliant at Ascot. I caught up with him a bit earlier on and asked him how she was doing. No, she seems great, uh, Tom. I've been really pleased with how she's trained since... The Duke of Cambridge, uh, it was a huge thrill for us and uh, for all the Rose Gallery team to have a you know, terrific win there and she seemed very well herself. So, uh, no, very much at the moment, all systems go for the Rothschild. Was this the obvious next step? Yeah, I, I think so. We sort of obviously dropped her back from 10 to a mile for the Duke of Cambridge and, you know, they didn't go overly hard, we didn't feel, and, and she still managed to come from the way back to, to get up. So going to sort of a flatter mile we thought made sense and staying at a trip she won over sort of it seemed to fit and, and timing wise you know we just thought it was a nice it gave her a nice bit of time between um ascot and, and the richmond so sorry ascot and the um Rothschild. so mm-hmm. no it made it made sense we thought and uh, no hopefully it works out well uh danny's gonna ride again yeah no danny's booked to ride um which is great to have him on board uh so no Terrific to have someone um, like him on top. And 
is it fair to say the start of the season you might have thought it was more likely that this sort of time she might have a, a, a NASA on her agenda as opposed to a, a, a group one over a mile? Yeah, gosh, uh, we sort of were thinking she might get a mile and a half. Obviously, she won over. She won the Lingford Oaks trial over a mile three, and she went. Uh, we ran in the Oaks, which she probably didn't quite get home. And you know, she ran um, well in the Hopping Stakes over ten at Newcastle. And but she's just improved from three to four, and we felt she's got quicker. And certainly in her homework, she looked like she's quickened up. Um, so no, that was sort of a surprise when we sort of were thinking, you know, after. After Middleton, you know, whether we should, we should think about a, a mile, I sort of thought that, you know, she was just shaping up with so much speed that, um, or travelling well through her races, so it was worth, you know, saying looking at. We, yeah, I wouldn't have thought at the start of the year we'd be running over a mile anyhow. Uh, might the, the QE2 back end of the year just be the ideal race for her? Of course, yeah, that'd be lovely, wouldn't it? I mean, it's a, that's a huge race to be aiming at. But, um, no, what is terrific is she's taken us on a fantastic journey so far with a, a fantastic group of owners, in, you know, for... In, in the Rose Gallery racing uh, a great syndicate where we sort of made great friends and you know if she could end up in something like that at the back end of the year it would be a fairy tale It'd be fantastic and do you envisage her racing on after this year? I think all cards on the table I would imagine she'll have an entry um, for the at Tassels and uh, it'd be a, a good chance she could end up there. Alternatively, you know, the Rogues and Tony Elliott, who runs them, are very sporting, and we know how hard it is to replace a like this. So mm-hmm. it's really sort of um, see how she runs the next couple of times, and we'll have to have a, a long chat with Tony Elliott and the Rose Gallery team to see what um, what the best plan for her is going forward. Anything, Tom, that you're definitely going to run at Goodwood or likely to run at Goodwood of note? So uh, we've got bits and bobs sort of maybe lining up there. Um, obviously, sort of a week away yet, and we're a little bit ground dependent. But um, we had a nice horse for the Bronte collection um, who won on debut at Chester, and he, he'll probably get an entry for the um, for the seven furlong, the, the vintage stakes at mm-hmm. Goodwood on week today, on Tuesday next week. So he's an exciting horse, I hope. And this is this you know, is Wh- Whitney Stand, is it? Who won at the back end of Whit- June? Yeah, no, quite witness stand, and he's um, sharpened up since that run. He's done some nice work, so I'd be quite interested to see how he's shaped in a race like that. He seems in good form. Okay, um, son of expert Ty, who won that race. So there you are. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Hopefully, it's good omen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tom, great stuff, and and good luck Sunday. Terrific. Thanks, William. Tom. Jane Leopardstown tomorrow. Good card. Shall we start with Donnacher O'Brien and, and his two runners? Uh, we spoke to him a, a little earlier. Here he is, first of all, on Mysteries. Uh, yeah, she, she did it well in Cork. Um, we all thought she was a filly that was going to stay further than the six, but um, straight six in Cork on with a bit of juice in the ground. Um, it was like seven most places. Um, she raced on her own, but she stuck at it well the last furlong and she won well on the line. So uh, we were happy with the, with the performance and I think she'll step forward from it. And, and from what you're saying, she she wants seven now, does she? Um, look, I, I, she, I think she's a seven for a filly. She's not not a filly that I said, God, she 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 needs seven. You know, she has pace, um, but she also stays well. Um, so there's a bit of stamina in the pedigree on the mare side. Um, so I think I think she'll she'll get the seven, and, and I think you know she probably won't be at her best at seven this year. Mm. Uh, she's got that Moy Glare entry. Will this tell you whether whether that's a realistic um, proposition? 
Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a kind of a tried and tested route with the Moigler for Lazy Go Silver Flash debutante and, and Moigler. Um, we did it with Shale, um, and a lot of fillies do it. So, so you know, you take one step at a time. But realistically, we're probably going to be running into you know, um, that filly is probably going to go the same route. So sometimes these races can be every bit as good as a Moigler. Um, so you don't necessarily have to win them to to earn your lineup in something like a Moigler. Um, because they're always top quality races. Yeah, I hear you. And and Devious, obviously, he he won pretty early in the season on, on debut. Ha, have you been disappointed subsequently in the two runs, or what do you make of them? Yeah, he won very well over over five in Nace on on um, slowish ground, and five is is a stiff it's a stiff track Nace. Um, then we went to Ascot, and, and so we wanted further. Um, but he ran well in Ascot. He was just flat out to halfway, and it kept going. Um, at the Curra, he was a bit disappointing, but it was very quick ground that day, and 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 the sharp six, you know, on quick ground with with a tailwind at the Curra. Um, so I think I've probably just been running him over the wrong trip, to be honest. Um, at home, he looks like he'll stay the seven furlongs very well. He's a very big horse. Um, you know, maybe I shouldn't have been running him over five and six at all, all early in the year. Um, so I think he's going to hopefully leave uh, his last run well behind him. Mm, I guess when you win over five on debut, you don't immediately go over seven. Do you? What, what's he like? Is he pretty straightforward? Yeah, he's a, he's a very straightforward horse. He's he's very big, um, but he's good attitude. Um, as I said, he's very clear-winded, so I don't think he'll have any problem uh, with the seven. Um, and hopefully, you know, just a bit of a you know the slower pace over seven compared to five or six. Hopefully, he'll get comfortable early and should finish out better then. I'm going to finish up with a slight curveball because we were discussing this this monster King George at the weekend on the podcast. Do you have any any sort of outright views on it? Obviously, there's a strong Irish team. There's a there's a strong home team as well. It looks a hell of a race, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks it looks a cracker. Um, I think the weather is going to pay, play a large uh, part in what's going to happen. Um, obviously, what what the ground does. Um, if if it comes up nice ground, I don't see any reason why. Um, you know, if, if if I had the bigger horse to ride in the race, I'd certainly ride August Rodan on, on nice ground. Um, if it goes soft, it gets a bit more complicated. Um, you know, sometimes they can throw up funny results when it gets very soft in Ascot. Um, but you know, hopefully, hopefully they won't get too much rain and, and they'll get a fair race. And uh, it looks uh, it looks a race to look forward to. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Donica. Lovely. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Jane. What do you make of Donica's runners? What do you make of the card as a whole? Good card, right? This is a proper Thursday evening card. If people don't come out from the capital to to go to the races, well, they're missing out. I think, we, you know, me and Nick have a little bit of a side bet. City of Troy has bolted up in superlative. Well, I'm really hopeful that Yelang Yelang can do that uh, in the Silver Flash. She's had a number of winners come out of that Curra Maiden that she won quite cosily by almost three lengths. And while Dunica seems quite sweet on Mysteries, the Cork winner, I think his dad's Ylang Ylang will be very hard to to suppress. Um, the Tyros, I was very... Wait, what's, your, what's your side bet, Jane? What What is the side bet? We were both equally impressed with two maiden winners on Derby Weekend at the Curra, and his most impressive performance was City of Troy that, you know, famously nearly ran through the boards at the Curra. And I was very impressed with Ylang Ylang. So the bet was that you know, I said that Ylang Ylang will win a Group One before before the Colt, and uh, I will have to buy him dinner. Or he will have to buy me dinner in reverse. Um, but I think the targets will be the the national stakes and the Moigler, but the Moigler is thirty minutes before the national stakes. <laughs> so if they did happen to both win Group Ones, I have a favourites chance. <laughs> 
You are, that's frankly, that's disgraceful, but I love that because I was about to say, Jane, you're going to lose your bet, but I now hope that you, <laughs> I really hope you win it because um, that would be a little bit cheeky. Well, we never specified where we have to bring him, bring each other for dinner. So if, if he wins, we're going to McDonald's. Yeah, quite right too. It's a, it's a favourite. And, and if I win, we're going to Harry's Bar. Uh, and, and and all of this, I think, is is fair and just. Uh, what do you make of the Tyros? Uh, the Tyros, well, we may as well start with Devious because Dunica has outlined his thoughts and maybe running him over the wrong trip. Um, I was so so impressed with him on his debut because I just thought, as a physical, he's he's so he was so mature back in May. Um, I I can completely agree. He was off his off his feet in in at Royal Ascot. I'm very interested to see him up to seven furlongs now. Um, Ryan is on Mountain Bear Shamey on Henry Adams I, I don't really have a strong opinion on the others I, I think this is a winnable Tyros and it wouldn't surprise me if Dunica managed to do that um, the Minstrel is a proper good race I think it's made for Zerinsk I was very sweet on her the last day at Fairy House and this is her trip seven furlongs is Zerinsk all day long it's made for her she's in against Colts but um I, I wouldn't be too worried. It's a proper, proper card. There's a couple of interesting maidens there as well. But uh, for me, the Silver Flash is the race of the day. Uh, you're going to be there, I take it? I'm actually not. No, oh. I'm I'm on um, battery recharge for the marathon that will be Galway. And if anybody is interested in Galway, Monday to Sunday, pace yourself. The current odds for the... Galway Plate is uh, Willie Mullins top of the market. Would you believe that? Willie Mullins top of the market for an Irish uh, feature handicap chase. Kilcrut, uh leads Hewick in the market at the moment. Fury Road, grade one, former grade one winner, is third in. Hollow Games, final orders, Gabby's Cross and Ash Tree Meadow. They're your top couple in the market. Easy game just under them. He'll likely be one of the top weights. Galway Hurdle, also not a surprise that J.P. McManus has the top two in the betting with Filey Bay and Takao. Takao last year's juvenile, slightly disappointing in the juvenile division last year. Zarak de Brave is third in ahead of Sharjah, who's already won the race. Uh, my mate Mozzie has recently won on the flat at Tremor. I think he'd be an interesting horse if he were to line up here ahead of Brazil, the former Fred Winter winner. So two massively valuable races. And that is just tip of the iceberg what would be a really stellar week I'd imagine at Ballybrit Yes, Galway next week and the Qatar Goodwood Festival as well, our thanks to the team at JSC ahead of said Qatar Goodwood Festival uh, for giving us John Quinn on Highfield Princess For any yard whatever size it is having a top class horse it is a great boost for the yard, for the people who work in the yard, for the owners in the yard. You know, it is. It's 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 very important if you if you can get a top class horse. These top horses have have a following. You know, people latch on to your top class steeplechaser, your top class hurdler, your top class flat horse. So I do think she has a following. Yeah, in the King's Dancer and a mighty race, and then we left her down there um, to see how she was. And t- typical her, she seemed absolutely fine. Eight up and. Um, she did lead out the next day, then she had a little canter on the Thursday, and then a lead out on the Friday, and she ran a mighty race in the Platinum Jubilee. We thought we were at the wrong, the right side, but it, as it, because we thought the pace would be stand side, but the race evolved over there, so she was left on her own a bit, and she was in front a long way out, but still ran a mighty race. We were thrilled with her really to be placed in two Group Ones in four days. Last year we gave her a mid 
a, a mid-season break which he did seem to enjoy and we've done the same this year but we thought instead of going to the pre de Geest at Deauville we would go to Goodwood. It's a, it's a very unique track um, and she wheeled around there. We were a bit concerned with, would she handle the track but typical her she, whe she wheeled around and ran a mighty race. I think Goodwood will suit her you know. We always get her out early in the morning. She has her paddock up the back, she likes going out. She gets an hour out there every day, which I'm sure helps her. She looks after herself, she's a good eater, she's a good mind. She's not, she doesn't get too, doesn't get too fussed. She's the complete top-class racehorse, really. All right, the public vote for the Hall of Fame stayer closes midnight tonight, Jane. Here are your five. You can vote for me. Stradivarius, mm -hmm. Yates, Persian Punch, Ardross, Le Moss, who is getting your vote for the stayer to go into the Hall of Fame? I have voted and I have voted for Yates. Um, he was, um, for me, just the four-time winner of the race. He was impeccably trained. He was um, a number of different jockeys enjoyed him, but I enjoyed watching him. I, I've heard all the different... Um, Opinions on on this, but they're all brilliant horses for all the different reasons. But um, Yates was the one that created history. Yates is the one that's erected in the middle of the um of the parade ring at Ascot, and and he's the one that got my vote. Uh, indeed, and I'm exactly the same. You can go to horseracinghof.com to vote for your stay. You have until midnight tonight to do so, and winning connections will be presented with the Hall of Fame medal on Goodwood Cup Day next Tuesday. Just a tip, please, Jane Mangan. Yes, I'm off to Nace this evening, the last race, the 8.30. I think Coins Cross has been knocking on the door the last couple of runs for Eddie and Patrick Harty. Declan McDonough is aboard. Seven furlong handicap at Nace, while he might have top weight. I think he's going to be very hard to beat in the last at Nace. Jane, thanks ever so much. I'll be back with you tomorrow with some interesting stories coming your way. So keep tuned for that. No doubt more King George chats as well and a bit on Goodwood too. That was Wednesday, the 26th of July. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.